The Thundermen are moving up in the world, specifically to the second floor of this infilled hospital. A new friend is made, and a major enemy is defeated. We listen to episode 9 of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Alright everyone, welcome back to Talkin' Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you as always is me, your host and producer PJ, and with me as always is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hi everyone! Lauren, what'd you think of this episode? Well, okay, so any place where we have multi-villains, so like all the imps and stuff in this one and from last episode always stress me out so I was like on a high level of anxiety the entire time but I was super into finding out what was on the second level of this hospital <laughs> a lot more imps it turns a out a lot more imps yeah the answer. yeah no I I liked this episode again similar to the last episode I like this because it's very D&D and that's what I'm obviously here for but it makes me sad because again it's still very little story you almost think there's going to be story notes here but it's very much like actually no there isn't it's all a joke yeah there wasn't and I'm the type of D&D player who like lives for character development and for story. So even though this was more typical D&D with like investigations and combat and that sort of thing, I was sad to miss out on those really good story moments. Yeah, I feel like he could have left some breadcrumbs here and there, but it is what it is. It is what it is. All right, well, let's just jump into it then. We open with another voiceover action commercial for this episode. And you know, just when you thought it was fine, it wasn't. It, it's not, yep. The imps are back and so are the Thundermen. And we actually get some really funny impressions of the boys done by Travis here. They <laughs> they were pretty They were pretty funny. They are pretty spot on in yeah. my opinion. They, I mean, yeah. The boys in the last episode had just finished clearing out the first floor of the hospital. So we started off with Fitz wanting to kick it for a bit because his HP has seen better days. So Travis allows them a short rest. Griffin says the others can rest or they can do push-ups or something, but he wants to rest in case they come across Ganondorf or something. Clint wants them to bond. Yes, bond. Come on, boys. But as always, they don't actually. Oh, God. But they kind of do. Sort of. Fitz sits at the reception desk overlooking the messy room before them and just chills, doing some deep breathing with his hands on his knees. Argo hands out some snacks. Fish jerky, his mother's recipe, which he wants to share. It's cod jerky. Shabig Keen special. Debris. Well, he says shabby. Oh, that's right. He says this is a shabby keen special, which is probably your nickname. Probably. Griffin wants to roll to see how delicious it is, and it's a nat 20, so he hasn't loved anything this much ever. <laughs> he yells, damn, this is good jerky. Supposedly alerting all the other imps in the building to how good the jerky is. <laughs> the Fearbog also has some of the jerky. Twidgy says the flavor is present, which is probably one of the best compliments that Fearbog has ever given food. That's true. We haven't heard him compliment much of anything. Yeah. Fitzroy immediately thinks they can market this for the Thunderman LLC, calling it Thunderman Sea Feast. The Fearbulg is very on board with this, throwing it some major accounting business acumen. Griffin stops as he is very impressed with his brother's IRL economic studying for his IGL character. <laughs> Justin says Griffin has never said he's proud of him before, so he's glad it's recorded. <laughs> Argo is on board as long as they name the jerky after his mom, the new name being Thunder Mom. I, I like that less than Sea Feast. I do. It could be Thunder Mom Sea Feast. I'd be okay with that. Oh, okay. Yeah, combining, it's fine. But we'll see. Argo, after opening up about his mother, asks the other boys what their relationships with their parents are like, to which Fitzroy seems very uncomfortable. The Fearbulg had a mother who was no different to him than the rest of the clan. Argo wants to make sure the clan treated the Fearbulg okay, to which the Fearbulg says they did for a time, but leaves it at that. Oh, poor Fearbulg. The mother thing makes sense. A lot of... 
our world, a lot of more indigenous tribes, it's very much like the whole community raises the child. Yes, that was not surprising to me. Yeah, but it is sad. Obviously, we have a lot that we don't know about the Fearbulk's past, and he's made that very clear that we're not going to for a while at least. Yeah. Fitzroy says that while he doesn't like to flaunt it, the house he grew up in was very large, large enough that he would go days without seeing either of his parents, which is so sad. That is so, he must have been so lonely. They would frequently travel from villa to villa, or via to via, depending on how you want to pronounce it. (laughs) He said he never received jerky, but did receive a fortunate upbringing. The Fearbulg asks for Fitzroy's mother's name, and Griffin obviously doesn't have that ready. So Fitzroy stumbles for a bit, and the Fearbulg jokes she might have been a Fearbulg since she seems to not have a name. (laughs) But Fitzroy says her name was Dindra. Dindra. Dindra Maplecourt. Dindra Maplecourt. Mother in absentia to Fitzroy Maplecourt. (laughs) I made that as a joke, and now I realize how sad that is. (laughs) Oh, man. Argo asks if he got his magic from his mother or his father, and Fitzroy says he's half-elf, so he's always had it going on. When pressed for more details about his mother, Fitzroy says that Dindra had a big purse where she would keep the good hot mint gum inside for him. And I was like, what? Hot mint gum? Does oh, he yeah. mean like, cinnamon? what? Yeah, I, was, I, was, I, I was thinking of cinnamon. I thought yeah. of like a, like a red hot gum or something. I immediately thought cinnamon as well. Which, can I just say the worst kind of gum out there? You don't like cinnamon gum? No. I don't like cinnamon anything, so I'm very biased. Well, I just don't like cinnamon gum because like when you're a kid and someone's like, this is cinnamon, you're like, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be sweet as hell. It's not. And it's spicy. It's But it's not even good spicy. Yeah. It's bad spicy. (laughs) Well, apparently Fitzroy was like super into it. it. Yeah. When young Fitzroy would ask his mother for his gummies, please, (laughs) she would root around in her purse, moving aside various treasures and jewels and amulets, pronounced omelets, (laughs) and he would chew on his gum for days. For days. Griffin is so taxed from all this improv. He's only going to hit things for the rest of this episode, (laughs) which is kind of what happens, but just for everyone. These are very combat heavy episodes. These are very combat-heavy episodes. Travis jokes they can make their short rest a long rest if they want to hang out for a few days, you know, or they can get the plot back on track. Yikes. The boys head upstairs via the staircase behind the reception desk. The floor is less decorated and far less finished, even if the construction is basically done. There are toolboxes and containers of building materials lining the walls, and the boys make perception checks. Justin and Griffin roll tolerably well, but Argo rolls a nat 1. So Travis has him stub his toe and take one damage, which Griffin says is savage, but Travis is like, it was a nat one. Those have repercussions. <laughs> which I also, if you roll a nat one, it's a nat one. Like something's going to happen. Like you're not going to die, but like, you something know, if you're bad. trying to do something, like something bad is going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, especially if you do this in particular, where you really super reward nat 20s. The dice giveth, the dice taketh away. They sure do. With his keen half-elven eyes, Fitzroy finds an imp peeking at them from behind a tool chest who seems more nervous and non-threatening than any of the imps we have seen so far. Fitzroy offers some of his fish jerky to the imp, still calling it Sea Feast. The imp asks if it's fish jerky meant for him, which Fitzroy says yes, if the price is right. (laughs) The imp wants to know if he'll get attacked if he comes over, and Fitz says they won't as long as he doesn't attack first. The imp comes over after a successful persuasion roll and enjoys the jerky immensely, having heard Fitzroy's exclamation earlier. Fitzroy asks where the imp came from, but the imp is afraid he'll get in trouble. Fitz tries to get the information out of the imp by saying he's his jerky friend and his jerky buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Which the imp does agree to and gives his name as Ian, but assures them it's spelled weird and impish with 16 letters, which a bunch of ampersands and a bunch of other stuff. How? Okay. I didn't. I only spelled Ian the way I know how to spell Ian. It's I apostrophe apostrophe A H H. C-H, ampersand, apostrophe, N-N-H-N. 
Was that 16? Ampersand? I I wasn't counting. I wasn't counting either. If it wasn't, just add an extra ampersand or apostrophe in there somewhere. (laughs) Well, there you go. That's how you spell Ian with infernal in infernal. Yeah, that's totally infernal. Don't look it up. Don't. Don't. Just... You just know, don't just trust, just, just trust us look if you look it up in infernal it's gonna curse you you don't want to be cursed yeah don't do that to yourself just trust us <laughs> have we done anything to not earn your trust oh don't go down that road <laughs> Fitzroy says he wants to know where the ibs came from so they can send them away because they've been making trouble to which ian agrees saying he used to make trouble but he doesn't want trouble anymore because he rethought all of his life decisions after watching the thunderman smash his friend downstairs ian offers a deal He'll not make trouble and give them the info they want if they let him go. Going so far as to say, they can remain buddies and he'll do good in the world. When Fitzroy rolls insight, he gets an at one, to which Travis says, You don't know if he's lying. You don't even know if you're lying. <laughs> Ian says Fitzroy has kind eyes, so we'll trust him. Oh, Fitzroy has kind eyes behind his fake glasses. <laughs> behind fake glasses. But sing that to the tone of behind blue eyes and better. Or not behind the hazel eyes? Yes. Which one? Which one? Uh, any song any song about eyes there's so many pick one pick your favorite i saw the sign no that's by nazis just kidding damn why is that song so good and it's like boiled again (laughs) ian says they were conjured to distract three idiots but luckily the thunderman came instead and he doesn't know what happened to those three idiots (laughs) they were supposed to keep the nincompoops out of his boss's hair when asked who his boss is ian says he's only trying to make it to retirement so he doesn't make waves (laughs) which like I get it. Like, there are people that are like, yeah, I don't really look at that corporate structure. But, like, this is your direct boss, my guy. It's his direct boss. How long do you think an imp's lifespan is? Technically eternal. Until they get smashed. Hmm. So how could he... Is retirement even possible, then, if you live for eternity? Well, especially not for an imp. I mean, imps are literally constructs. I mean, they can actually... I mean, if we want to get technical... All demons can eventually upgrade. So technically, if you do a good enough job as an imp, you can be turned into a greater devil than that. Do they get to retire? Do, is there retirement at all anywhere? I mean, if you become an arch devil, you can essentially retire. You're just basically a complete leader at that point. You can do whatever you want with your domain of hell at that point. Hell, I forget which level of hell, but one of them is basically Las Vegas. Because like whoever runs it was like, hell yeah, we're just going to make this into a party town, baby. Heck yes. I'd go. <laughs> I'd be there in a second. I'd go there before Las no, Vegas. No, I can't. I have a gambling problem. <laughs> oh, no. That's why I play D&D, because I love rolling dice. Man, no, it's not. <laughs> all of these secrets are revealed. <laughs> Fitzroy asks the arguably most important question, if they vanquish the boss, will Ian disappear? Ian says no. He doesn't want to work for the boss anymore anyways, and it'll last as long as he stays alive. He wants to get into artisanal cheeses, saying he feels he'll be good at it, even though he has no experience. Which, good for you, Ian. I believe in your journey. Good for you, Ian. What would he name his his artis- artisanal cheese business? Artisanal cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be spelled with his infernal name? Uh, yes. Look, they can't all be winners, but that one was. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this is one hell of a cheese. <laughs> no! <laughs> Before he leaves, Ian says that Terry is his boss, but not to trust Terry because Terry is a liar. Then he turns into a raven and leaves. The fear bull casts detect magic, which we learn he does not turn colors and casts it in a non-showy way, hoping to figure out which of the ten doors in front of them they should go through. With the imps coming and going, there are cross signals of magic, but there are some doors where it's stronger than others. So basically, they kind of get information, but not really. Yeah, they don't get a lot of information from that. The fear bull opens door one, sees a spider on the floor, then closes the door, saying he won't mess with no spiders. I... 
that is such a one of my characters in our campaign like does that all the time sneaks in sees what's inside and closes the door but luckily for me as a dm some of the other players are just pure chaos and they're like no well, i'll go in if you don't want to go no. in and i'm always like haha i'm glad that you're doing this because i spent time printing a mini for this encounter <laughs> but also if you guys missed it i'm like the amount of minis i've just made and thrown away because they don't get used is astronomical Oh, yeah. That's just typical in D&D. I got this for uh, an adventure, but we didn't go there. Yeah, I remember you guys skipped this whole section where, like, throughout it, there was, like, 30 troglodytes. And I was like, well, I printed 30 troglodytes for nothing, I guess. Well, now you have 30 troglodytes. <laughs> I Trust me. I know the rest of the campaign. There's no more troglodytes. Unless, I don't know. I don't know. You never know what a troglodyte's going to show <laughs> I'll up. I'll just wait till you guys are, like, level 15 and throw all 30 at you guys, and you guys will take them out in, like, one spell. Ah! Oh, look, I cast a fifth level fireball. Look, they're all dead. But that gets rid of one of our spell slots. Oh, that's true. I don't want to give you ideas. I already got rid of the minis, so it doesn't matter. But I still have the files. I could print more. No, don't don't listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Travis then asks if they did any research on imps at all, which I was like, don't. I was, he basically was like, did you guys metagame? I wanted you guys to metagame. That's true. No, that's a good point. And even Griffin was like, no, because Fitzroy wouldn't have. Exactly. Travis has him roll an Arcana check, which he gets a 19. So Travis says Fitzroy did some light research before the trip and knows the following. Imps are magical shapeshifters that can turn into spiders and ravens and other stuff. Argo is intent on using his sneak attack to attack the imp turned spider, while the Fearbolt tries to distract it by going back in the room. They give him a lot of crap about him being like, well, I'm going to sneak attack. And they're like, well, how are you going to do that without sneaking? But I think distraction is a good method. I don't think Clint was saying anything wrong. No, I completely agreed with what Clint was saying. As long as he had someone to distract for him, he could then sneak attack. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, you know what? They've been giving Clint a lot of crap this season for things that then I, in turn, I'm like, no, he's right, you guys. Yeah, no, I think Clint has been playing a very, very good rogue. Yeah, no, he's been doing phenomenally. They just don't know how to deal with a good, like, they just keep not knowing exactly how rogues are played. And they're like, oh, God, Dad, you're so dumb. And then I'm like, no, he's He's right. He did it. The fear bulk throws open the door and says, Spider, I am returned and I am sorry for misjudging you. (laughs) (laughs) And and Argo sneaks around the edge of the room, stabbing the spider with his rapier effectively killing it he says avasti oh he's already dead then muses that it wouldn't have been a sneak attack if he'd said something while attacking there's nothing else of note in this room and we go into room two but i do want to clarify a few things a yes it would have <laughs> what would have it would still would have been a sneak attack oh yeah 100 percent. but b i just realized this as i was reading the sentence homeboy has rakish audacity he definitely does rakish audacity is literally you could sneak attack anyone even if you're right up in their face as long as there's no other people within five feet of them yeah no so he he literally could go up to them and be like a vasty and stab them that's a whole point of a swashbuckler rogue yeah that's one of their feats. i'm gonna fight these boys well i mean i don't know if clint read that yet no for sure i mean he didn't understand that either when does he get rakish audacity he already has it he gets it at third level (gasps) oh We talked about it, the episode where he got third level. I was like, he got Rakish Audacity. It's the coolest ability. That's right. Homeboy has it. He has it. No one knows how to play a swashbuckler then. No. I mean, he explained the the mechanics of Rakish Audacity when he got it. But I mean, that was episodes ago at this point. And for them, it was like weeks ago. Oh, months. That's right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Every episode, they're always like, oh, it's been months since the last episode. I'm like, ah, it's been days for me. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha. They use the same plan of the Fearable distracting whoever's in it and Argo sneak attacking. 
as they enter room two. The room seems empty, but imps can turn invisible, so Fitz tells Argo to sneak attack every inch of the room. <laughs> Argo tries to goad imps to come out by saying how easy it is to kill imps and rolls well on his performance check, but the room is hella empty. They try to enter room three and the door sticks a little bit. The Fearbulk tries to force the door open and dodges out of the way as building materials fall in a trap imps have set behind the door. This room is also empty. Room four contains an imp using a model skeleton as a shield, so the Thundermen have disadvantage on attacks. Which I don't think that's how shields work. You're making that face. No, your AC increases when you have a shield. Yeah, your AC increases, but you definitely don't um, have disadvantage. Maybe instead of increasing the AC, he said disadvantage. But even then, it would just be a cover, which I guess could give you disadvantage. Never mind. Plus, I'll I'll allow it. (laughs) Okay, DM. (laughs) DMPJ will allow it. DMPJ will. I'm sure Travis has been waiting for those words this entire campaign. You have done it, Travis. He did it. But Fitzroy says, sneak attack. <laughs> As he's like, apparently this is all it takes to sneak attack. And hits the skeleton with his maul. <laughs> they roll initiative, though, since the imp was ready for their attack. Justin asks if he gets spell slots back after a short rest, which Griffin is like, yeah, you get them back after a short rest. And like, you don't. You don't. You don't. Griffin McElroy, you do not. Some get- spellcasters do. Druids? I don't know. Druids might be one of them. I, I've never played a druid, y'all. I haven't Never. either. So maybe actually we might be the idiots here. No, but like, okay, but usually, usually spellcasters do not get spell slots back after a short rest. It's usually a long rest. But some spellcasters do. Warlocks, I know, get like a packed slot Warlocks, you get a packed slot, which is how their spell slots work. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe druids are the same Wizards way. Wizards don't, sorcerers don't. I don't Bards know, I'll put it in the ad Clerics break. don't. I'll research and I'll put it in the ad break. Most of them don't. Most of them don't. I hope he doesn't think he does. But then again, sorcerers might. I don't know. No, but they don't. I don't know. Well, you know, they do in a weird way because you can turn sorcery points back into spell slots and you get your sorcery points back on a short rest. No, but that's like cre- that, that's not a spell slot. I know. That's a sorcery point. I'm, I'm so in the weeds with this. <laughs> and David Pumpkins. Hello, everyone. It's me, PJ, your fiendish friend. Here, as always, to thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We hope you're enjoying the thrilling conclusion to Mission Imp Hospital. The show can only get crazier from here, and I, for one, can't wait for it. Be here for that intensity and our reaction to it by keeping up with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Taz or by searching for Taz Podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co, for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends about it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. A few notes from this episode. I mentioned a Vegas-like level of hell, but upon research, I had totally misremembered this, insomuch as the Vegas-like nature of it wasn't because the Archdevil wanted to have a good time and be cool, but because it was a place to corrupt souls within his plane. This plane is Dis, D-I-S, the second level of hell. My apologies for overstating just how lit it truly was. We corrected the idea that the Fearbulg would get spell slots back on a short rest, saying that's not a thing for druids or most spellcasters to be sure. But what's that? Oh, it's egg on our face. While it's true that only warlocks get spells back on a short rest, some wizards and druid subclasses do too. Specifically, the Circle of Land Druid, which the Fearbulg is. I will say though, they don't get full spell slots back, as they only get as many spell slots as half their level. For example, a 6 level character can get 3 levels of slots back, so 3 level 1s, a level 2 and a level 1, etc etc. So that egg is still partially on their face. 
and that's all that matters to me. Last week, we left you with a question about rules and got some fun discourse out of it. This week's question is, have you ever screwed yourself over in a game by forgetting about an ability you had? What ability was it? And what consequences did your forgetfulness rot upon you? Let us know. Now, back to the podcast. The Fear Bogue is up first and casts Ice Knife, which misses due to disadvantage. But I was like, it's Ice Knife. It still explodes. It should still be doing damage. I think it only does it on a hit. Mm-mm. It explodes regardless? It explodes regardless. Well, then Justin didn't read his spell all the way yeah. through. They even, I mean, obviously we're jumping ahead here a bit, but even when it does hit later on, they again don't do the splash damage from Ice Knife. They just straight up, I mean, this is on Justin, but he just straight up forgets about the splash damage part of Ice Knife. Yeah, there are two components to Ice Knife. Yeah, whether it hits or not, it explodes and they do the dex. The chance, I guess the chance of them getting hit is higher with Ice Knife just because there's so much to the spell. Yeah, so like basically, you know, you roll to hit, whether you hit or not, it explodes and everyone within a radius has to do a dex save or get hit by the exploding Ice Knife. Read your spells, kids. Read your spells, kids. Because reading is what? Fundamental. Fundamental. I'm glad we did that in unison. <laughs> <laughs> Travis allows the skull to fall off the skeleton due to the ice F attack. The imp reaches out to try to swipe at the fear bulb, which hits. Which the fear bulb only has a 12 AC, which is whack AF. That is so crazy to me. Which, like, I get it. Like, magic casters have such low AC, but I'm like, but you're such a big guy. He's a big guy. And then Griffin also has mentioned that he has a, like, hysterically low ac because he's a spellcaster he wasn't he was a barbarian first yeah barbarians don't wear armor oh my god i was so shook because i realized in this episode the rogue of the, the rogue party has, has the highest, highest AC. ac and that's so wild to yeah. me argo casts create water to create a 20 gallon cube around the imp to drown him but the boys ask him if he can maintain the water shape which he can't so he goes back and tries to cast create water and shape water at the same time, but is obviously denied because you can't cast two spells in the same round. You sure can't. Justin says he likes the image of 20 gallons of water raining down in the imp like flash dance, which I agree. Yeah, same. Travis does look up how much a gallon of water weighs and does a strength save to see if the imp can stay on his feet because it is a lot. It weighs a ton. The imp fails and is not prone and the skeleton shield is now gone. Fitzroy is up and casts Booming Blader, I guess on his case Booming Maul, and hits, which kills the imp. Fitzroy congratulates everyone on a job well done, to which Travis jokes that the skeleton bone snatcher was going to be the big bad of the whole campaign, but they just killed him. So, you know, we're going to have a spaceship campaign for the next one, y'all. That's what they keep saying they're going to (sighs) do. Makes me think that's what's actually going to happen, and I'm super down for it. Do you think that was, the skeleton was Jermaine's big bad villain, or do you think Jermaine has other plans? Jermaine has many machinations that we mere mortals will never be able to understand. Except for Groundsy, because he like borrows his base. <laughs> Why are you whispering like that? Groundsy no. and his hut of evil. Oh, I like this less and less. <laughs> Room five appears to be empty. Fearbulk perceives that it is the most empty and they move on. The most empty. In room six, there are two imps, one eating cotton balls and the other making a model of a human mouth talk. They keep their same initiative so the Fearbulk casts Moonbeam. Again, not a Moonbeam works. I'm not going to do it every time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The imps take full damage, both failing their saving throws, and are turned to Black Icor. Justin narrates saying the Fearbulk holds out his hand, casts a spell, then turns around, leaving without looking back and says, Room 7. <laughs> more and more of an action film every time. That was such a cool visual. For Room 7, Fitzroy sends Snippers in to be a drone, telling him to be like the wind snippers. He asks what his crab eyes see. There are no imps. Uh-huh. That's a that's Lord of the Rings reference. What? 
what do your crab eyes see? It's like, what do your elf eyes see? Oh, God, I don't know, Lord of the Rings. I know you don't, and it makes me sad. You know who it also makes sad? What? Brennan Lee Mulligan. You know, I'll watch it for him. I'm going to have... Have you ever seen the Simpsons episode and Maggie makes three? No, I haven't. So in the episode, they have Bart and Lisa already. And like they're just financially stable enough that Homer quits his job at the nuclear power plant and gets his dream job at a bowling alley. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, but they get pregnant with Maggie. And he has to like basically go grovel for his job back for Mr. Burns. And Mr. Burns as like a knife in the back for it puts up a sign that says don't forget you're here forever and homer puts a bunch of pictures of maggie over it so that it reads do it for her oh my god and i'm gonna do that with brendan lee mulligan's pictures and that's gonna be how i'm gonna make it through the lord of the rings trilogy it's gonna do be it do for it for him, him. <laughs> i'll do it for you not for me not for his friend fitzroy sees that there are no imps but there is a creature hidden in the rafters that looks like a bird but it's not a raven fitzroy thanks him They go into the room, which is empty with an incomplete roof, and there's a hawk in the rafters with something shiny in its beak. When it sees Fitzroy, it drops the object, cocks its head, and flies away. Fitz picks up the object, which is an ornate brooch. I was shook by this. Yeah. Did this bird, like, was this one of Fitzroy's brooches, or was this someone else? No, I think it's just, this might be a, this might be like a little bit of a nod to the fact that in real life, crows, specifically, if you befriend a crow, they will bring you gifts. So you think that Fitzroy has befriended this hawk? I think the hawk is Ian. You think it's Ian? I think it's Ian. But they only turn into crows, right? They don't. They can shape change into any small creature, I think. Because clearly they were also regular birds and rats earlier. They were. So you think this is Ian? Yeah, I think it's Ian. How does Ian know about Fitzroy's brooch obsession? You don't think it's obvious when you look at him? Okay, that's true. But when you befriend a crow in real life, it's hard to do. But if you do it, they bring you any shiny object they find as a gift. That's actually really sweet. Yeah, every witch you'll ever meet has wanted to befriend a crow at one point or another because it is a gift. Wow. The gift that literally keeps on giving. Literally keeps on giving. They will also like legit protect you if like they see you getting like attacked by another human. Like they will call their crow buddies over and like peck at them and stuff. Wow. Crows are like ride or die. Maybe now I want to befriend a crow. Everyone does. Snippers picks up the brooch for Fitz and it's just a regular pretty brooch. In room eight, the fear bug opens a door, which is a temporary storage room until construction is complete and there's healing items inside. There's three healer's kits, large crate of cotton balls, tundra pressers, lollipops, and potion ingredients and magical components. The fear bulb takes some mercury, saying he needs this. Very like that moment when he took the stone. Yeah. It is weird, because why on earth would he need mercury? Like a stone, I can understand. That's a little more natural, and he's a nature boy. (laughs) Why are you laughing at me? Uh, Every time you say nature boy, it makes me laugh. Why? That's That's a nickname of a very famous wrestler. The nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! That's his, that's his thing. Oh, well. But, oh my God, I didn't even think about this. The reason he took the stone we've kind of established is because some weird thing with Hagelmiss where he's like controlling his mind. <gasps> you think this is connected to that? Oh my God, maybe Hagelmiss needs a mercury. I didn't even think about that while I was listening to it. Oh no. Oh my <gasps> God. What, what is Hagelmiss doing? I don't know, but I don't trust it. Oh my God. Fitzroy is down for some grabskis if everyone else is down for grabskis. So he takes a green lollipop. Good for you, Fitz. I want it to be something dumb where like when he finally licks the lollipop, he's like, ah, yes, the green one, the green one heals you. The red one would have cast burning hands on you internally and the black one would have been an instant death. Like something stupid like that. (laughs) Cause like I've run things like that where it's like, there's a field of mushrooms. Oh, you ate the black mushroom? That one makes you vomit for 20 minutes. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Sometimes it'll like be 
super important to a campaign which yeah. one do you grab argo takes some arsenic which fitz is disturbed by but argo says he uses it for vermin and i'm like what do you consider vermin argo do you think he's gonna try to use it on the spectral cat what if he uses it on fitzroy <gasps> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> but he is keeping an eye on fitzroy for the unbroken chain he is we yeah we don't know about that yet but he also takes a healer's kit which they explain but if you don't know any a healer's kit basically allows you to stabilize someone not heal them back up but stabilize them up to zero And without a dedicated healer on this team, a healer's kit could be a godsend. Yep. Argo wants to stealthily sneak into room 9, which he is able to do with a great success. There are two wimps who look toasted, like they might have been cotted by an extended celestial beam earlier. Oh, weird. Argo sneak attacks, which the boys are so proud of him for because it's a good use of sneak attack. He kills the left imp, lovingly named Lefty. The imp tries to sting Argo, but he misses. Which again, here's where we officially establish... Argo has the highest AC. Yeah, and it's, again, just so wild to me. Makes no sense. The but I mean, it makes sense. But looking at their characters, it wouldn't make sense. I'm. They're all so... Mechanically, squishy. makes total sense. Yeah. They call the right imp Tor. Argo headbutts the imp, which kills him. But he gets some of the icor in his hair. And he's like, Gross. really? Headbutt, huh? And he's like, yeah. You gonna do that again? No. <laughs> no, no. So it was Lefty and Tor. Lefty Tor. <laughs> In room 10, the boys all open the door together, which causes them to make a deck saving throw. The Fearbulk saves, Fitzroy fails, and Arco saves. Two chains smash through the door, damaging Fitzroy. A chain devil walks out. Oh, no. He laughs and says the boys fell right into his trap. Oh, my God. What trap? The chain devil trap. I've never heard of a chain devil trap. Well, because you haven't played against many chain devils. I... Not chain devils. You've had us go up against you've, a lot. You faced of the chain devil. We chased. We faced one. Not a lot. I wouldn't say that's a lot. You faced two. Would you say that's a lot? Well, it's two more than none. It, two, it is two more than none. But there were a lot of other devils and demons. Because remember, the second bit, the secondary big bad in the mansion of the Baroness was a chain devil. Oh, he was scary. That made you guys see your worst fears. Yeah. That was so cool. He was scary. I don't know if you ever found out, but Paige's character. Her whole backstory thing was that she was Strahd's mother, <gasps> and her greatest fear was seeing her son die. So no. when I did her fear session, it was her seeing all of you over the body of her dead son. Oh my god! That's a little insight into uh, what happened in that one shot. Oh my god! I'm so shook. When I asked her what's your greatest fear, she like whispered it to me. She's like, "Look, you're not supposed to know this because I was just running like a, a side shot. campaign yeah. to someone else's campaign, which was we were." running curse of strahd so obviously then i knew it but my character never found out i'm very good at not metagaming you're very good at that yes but yeah that's just a fun little thing so yeah that's what the chain devil showed her because my chain devil was like i will show you all your greatest fears travis describes the chain devil as a beefy fella with chains all over their body and the ability to wield chains as weapons and it's a devil argo rules history to try to remember anything about a chain devil but doesn't roll well so he's never seen this before they roll new initiative the devil says the boys may have killed his imps but now he'll destroy them Argo attacks with two-weapon fighting with Florence and his rapier. Hertha, I guess, based right? on what he called her earlier it was, in the season. It was Hertha. Yeah. No, like, I'm saying, like, Hertha, because, like, it's such a gross name. It's so gross. Again, at the time, like, why Hertha? Why what? not even just Bertha? Something more normal. But he attacks simultaneously. He hits with both attacks, swirling around majestically, waving the blades in a clockwise and counterclockwise motions, and hits him for a sizable chunk, but the devil laughs, saying Argo can continue to dance around him as they have danced around in his machinations for months. I don't know, man. Ian said that his boss lies. 
but I don't know who his boss is. It's Terry, right? Yeah, I guess this is Terry. I mean, he clearly sounds like he's lying. Yeah. I do like that little moment where Clint starts like singing and dancing. And they're like, I think, but like as Argo. And they're like, I think you meant that metaphorically, Argo. (laughs) Clint was ready to run with it. He was ready. He was doing full improv where he was yes anding. Yes. And he did great. And. (laughs) Shut up. Fitzroy is next and asks about the machinations. The devil says he has been behind every mysterious thing that has happened to them since they arrived, saying he is their worst nightmare. Terrence, the chain devil. Travis reminds him that Ian warned them that Terry lies, so Fitzroy says his claims are hogwash. But Terrence says this was his plan for the final showdown all along. So do you think Terrence or do you think the bone skeleton was really the big bad? You know, as a DM, sometimes you got to improvise. Yeah. He planned for it to be the bone skeleton, but, you know... He gets killed too early, so you got to create a new big bad, and it's clearly Terrence. It's Terrence. Clearly the original plan was for it to be the Bone Devil. Duh. 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 (laughs) When Fitz pokes holes in the plan, Terrence just says, I don't expect you to understand all the nuances of my machinations. Fitzroy cries, Hadouken! In cast chromatic orb of the lightning persuasion, Lauren, do you know what a Hadouken is? I sure don't. It is one of the most famous moves in fighting video games from the Street Fighter franchise, the main character, Ryu, or Ryu, depending on how you want to say it, has an energy beam attack called Hadouken. Oh. And now you know. The more I know. <laughs> Again, for anyone that thinks I'm just like mansplaining Street Fighter to Lauren, I'm not. She just hasn't seen or experienced most pieces of media in this world, and I like informing her about it. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot. PJ's my guide. <laughs> he hits for a huge hit, and Travis grants him an extra D6 because he liked the choice of lightning. And I I agree. I like sometimes, you know, throwing in like, oh, yeah, that's a smart choice. I'll give you something. The demon says he knew this would be a good choice, having these boys as his enemies, seemingly happy with the challenge they are presenting. The fear bolt casts hold person, but the devil succeeds his saving throw, just barely. So sad. Terrence is up and attacks the fear bolt, which super hits and he's grappled and will continue to take damage each turn. His second attack goes to Fitzroy, but misses. Argo is up and gives a healing potion to the fear bolt, then hides as his cunning action. Fitzroy goes into a rage after seeing his party attacked, and he charges Terrence. His wild magic surge makes the boys roll whiz saving throws. The Fearbolg and Terrence fail, so Fitzroy gets a glimpse of their thoughts, seeing what attacks the enemy is planning, and thereby causing the creature to have a disadvantage on attack rolls against Fitzroy until the start of Fitzroy's next turn. Terrence thinks the boys are buying it and will continue to use their chains while the Fearbolg doesn't like how the chains are wrapped around him. Fitzroy uses his reckless attack, negating the disadvantage, and hits for another sizable hit bloodying Terrence. The fear bulk takes some damage but breaks free from his chains and somewhere Fleetwood Mac nods. <laughs> I love this little section of jokes where it's like, yes, Fleetwood Mac, the king of a distant land, but they've only heard rumors of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so many good jokes. It's so funny. Uh, I've been dreaming of jokes like this. Damn it, that didn't land. <laughs> I was like, how do I incorporate dreams into this? He's he's the king of your wildest dreams. There you go. The Fearbolg attacks with his shillelagh and hits. Terrence then swings a chain at Argo, which hits despite the disadvantage, and he's now grappled. He swings another chain at Fitzroy, which also hits and grapples him. Argo is up, breaks free, and tries to grapple Terrence by using his own chains against him. Travis gives him proficiency due to his life on the sea, which helps make his grapple successful. He grappled the grappler. Fitzroy reckless attacks again and hits. The Fearbolg casts Frostbite, which hits and gives Terrence disadvantage on his next weapon attack. Terrence is up and does a contested strength roll against Argo and manages to succeed and break free, 
which was super close. It was a 21 versus a 24. Yeah. He animates chains, and the chain attacks Argo, which hits and knocks Argo unconscious. Technically, wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been, it would have been a disadvantage because of the fear bulk stuff. It should have been. But Argo's down. Yeah. Argo makes a death saving throw, and they explain to him how death saving throws work. When Clint is rolling his death saves, um, because he always just assumes that he's dead when he goes down, the boys explain, no, you have to do death saving throws. They tell him that if he rolls a 20, he's stable. And he's not. He just succeeds twice. No. Yeah, it's two no. successes. It's a it's a stabilization up to one HP. What? Yes. I have always been told that it was two successes. I've never told you that. And I've been your main DM for the longest time. Then why is a one only two? One is two failures, but a 20 is a full success. I never knew that. Yep. Well, if you ever roll a 20 on a death save in my game again, now you know. I don't think I ever have in yours. It's been in other games. I've been lied to. You've been lied to. <gasps> Fitz grabs the medicine kit and stabilizes Arco. Which is so sweet. Yeah. He's like, I wanted to use that on myself. And I'm like, I don't think you understand how the medicine kit works. <laughs> the fear bowl casts ice knife, which hits and kills Terrence. Terrence says his foes can rest easy now and go about their business because nothing else ever is going to bad happen ever again with his plan completed. And he dies. <laughs> uh, at this point, I don't know if it was Griffin or if it was Fitzroy. They said, okay, Moriarty, which means in this world, Sherlock Holmes exists. Yeah, he's like a great hero. He is a great hero. An okay hero, I guess. Uh, we're not friends <laughs> anymore. I don't know. Lauren is like the biggest Sherlock Holmes stan in the planet. The biggest one well maybe not the biggest one one of the biggest ones she's basically fdr <gasps> he was a big one. Oh my god you learned something from my quiz <laughs> <laughs> fitzroy says he's grateful they're in a hospital so that they can heal up as they leave to get help the mayor's assistant is immediately already there like oh you're done i'm, I'm already here i've been standing outside this I've whole been time outside this whole time i heard you screaming about jerky earlier <laughs> he gives them their thanks he gives them their gold and gift certificates to Springs Eternal, which includes a free drink, free meal, and a stay at the spa, and a room to rest up, which they gladly take. After the Imp Hospital credits roll, there's an after credit scene. Oh my god! Fitzroy enters Springs Eternal and sees Buckminster sitting at the bar. He does. Argo is already asleep, and the Fear Bulk has gone to commune with nature. It's just the two of them. Buckminster is impressed with how they cleared out the hospital, and says they don't need to worry about Leon, he remembered that Leon is traveling for a while. Fitzroy rolls inside and sees Buckminster believes what he's saying, but his eyes seem a little less engaged oh about God. the big news like this. Ugh. And he seems abnormally calm. He does. Fitzroy fakes excitement at the good news and uses detect magic on Buckminster to discreetly determine if he's been enchanted. Fitzroy sees an aura around his head that is a clear indication of enchantment. <sighs> Buckminster cheers Fitzroy and the Thundermen, but Fitzroy is at a loss for words for the first time in his life, and he quietly cheers his back. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Not only is Leon missing, but someone is making Buckminster, Buckminster forget. forget about it. That was the ship that I was like gonna go down with. Oh my god, and it was probably Higglemas. I am so sad because I loved Higglemas so much. Oh god, I'm so nervous. I don't know what's gonna happen here. I don't either. I'm so scared. Yeah, I'm really nervous. But unfortunately, that is all the Taz we have for you guys this week. We hope you guys will join us again next week for the next episode of Taz Graduation. As always, I've been PJ. I have been Lauren. And we hope to see you next Thursday when we are once again talking Taz. <laughs>